Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. The final days of July are at hand, Penn State football fans. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones, Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn State practice starts Monday. We're taping this on a Friday, uh, July 29th. Penn State practice starts Monday. Dave and I just soaked in the grandeur of Big Ten Media Days from every angle in Indianapolis. And we're here to talk about it. First, Dave, how you doing, man? It sounds like uh, I missed another refreshing trip to Indianapolis <laughs> as far as American travel, right? If, if you want to pro and con my trip, the con would be flying is pretty impossible these days. And um, look, I know it's it's not just me. It's, it's everywhere, delays, cancelizations. So... Joe Hermit, myself, and our old buddy Greg Pickle uh, were on a flight, supposed to be out of, on a flight on last Monday out of BWI. The good news is they told us at noon it was canceled. The bad news is if we wanted to go to Big Ten Media Days, we had to drive from Harrisburg. So that's what we did. So we drove. It's about eight hours each way. On the pro side day, though, where we stayed, which is right by Lucas Oil Stadium, they just put in a brand new bar like 50 feet from our hotel. So it's, it was kind of a push in, in the minds of myself and Greg. Did you miss me in the back seat? <laughs> Greg was up front. Joe was in the back. But the, here's the thing that Penn State fans don't know. Dave does not mind beef jerky. He kind of likes it. And that, <laughs> that was one of the media gifts was this gigantic bag. Brennan texted me a photo and I was like, good. Hey. We would have loaded you up, man. You would have had enough beef for you and your dog. You would have had enough for the next week. I should have known Old Trapper is a new uh, BTN Fox sponsor, so I should have known anyway. With the, with your impressions of all the different coaches, because it's different being there than seeing them on TV. Brett Bielema is bigger or, or not? He's bigger. You know what? I, I will say this. Uh, James Franklin – if you go back to the first one in 2014 that he did in Chicago, I swear, I swear, Dave, he looks remarkably similar. I mean, he's in his ninth year. I, I think if, if he did like a side-by-side, I don't think he's changed much at all. Ryan Day, I don't know if he had too much sun. Is that coloring? Is that hair coloring? Is that a real color, Dave? Because it looks like it's too jet black to me. He, he just looks like he's using... What is it? Hair club for men, whatever that thing is, but uh, it's it's working for him. I didn't get a chance. Jim Harbaugh was his own unique self again uh, the first day. Some some questions he went into detail on. Some were just one word answers. He put in some chewing tobacco after his uh, appearance, so he likes he likes chewing tobacco. How about that question Tom Crawford asked him about the non conference schedule? I don't know. Yeah, 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 and just stared at him. Maybe you ought to ask Ward Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was after like 20 seconds. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was the pregnant of pauses. Like it was pretty bad. That's why I made him the accountant and, and my um, <laughs> movie 
<laughs> Did you ever see the Ben Affleck and the Accountant? Yeah, that's a really good movie. That's a really good movie, and that's a good call on the Accountant. And what about PJ Fleck looking like a, now a dead ringer for Rob Corddry? I mean, <laughs> after the facelift, I mean, he, he looks exactly like him. I thought it was Rob Corddry. So you'll, so you're gonna like this story. I didn't hear it, but he 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 spoke. I think fairly early uh, on the first day. There were a lot of Kirk Sharaka questions being bandied about. James got asked about him. PJ got asked about him. Handled it well. But after after he did his 15 minute spot on national TV, uh, one of the Penn State local TV crews kind of walked up to him. His handlers were around him, and he was trying to get to like you know, safety. He didn't want to talk to anyone. And they just came up to him and I'm paraphrasing because Pickle <laughs> told me there. he was like, hey, uh, look, Kirk Shiraka is kind of, fr- he grew up right from our, our coverage area. Uh, would you mind if we asked you just a couple quick questions? And I, I guess PJ Fleck never broke stride and said, yes. And he just kept talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you can use that your, for your ammo for old PJ Fleck. Like Tin Cup when they asked Don Johnson for the autograph again, right? It just blew on by him. I'm working here. Do I do I bother you when you work? <laughs> I wanted to say uh, to you, Dave, that uh, and I, I'm sure you you might have picked up on this. It was a pretty significant change for me and for the other guys and girls on the Penn State beat. Patrick Kraft goes about his business. I would say def- definitely a little bit. A little bit differently than Sandy Barber. He is a more of an aggressive. Kind of a loose cannon, it looks like, huh? You don't usually see that as an AD. Also happy to take on all comers in terms of questions. You know, he kind of embraces it. Hey, if you have a question, I have an answer for you. I'll tell you what I Loose cannon in a good way. I mean, I like that. He might get himself in trouble, but that's okay with me. Yeah, between the Penn State opening schedule in the Big Ten and the future Beaver Stadium and Chaos Sanderson and NIL and, and, you know, what he needs to do and his relationship with James and trying to clear a path for James to just be a coach. He doesn't duck any questions. He doesn't filibuster any questions. He tells you what he thinks. He tells you what he knows. I know it was only his first press conference and he was probably trying to make an impression, but I hope that continues. Yeah, me too. And that was the only guy who had his own the first press conference because all the, all the coaches there uh, have been around. Uh, which was kind of odd. I mean, there were there were no new coaches. Am I, am I right? Uh, that is correct. I think, and Dave, uh, correct me if I think James is now the third longest tenured coach in the Big Ten after after Kirk and Ferentz and Fitzgerald. Yeah, it's the three Fs in the, at the top three. Yeah, it's it's Ferentz, Fitzgerald, Franklin. But yeah, that's interesting, Flounders. <laughs> but yeah, no coaching turnover. Even though there probably should have been, there's no chance that's going to happen again. When they reconvene next no, year, no, I don't know. I don't know that it's ever happened again. So we, it was kind of interesting that we know these guys. There's no snow jobs at this point. The guys who used to be uncomfortable behind the mic are still a little uncomfortable. I don't, I don't, I don't but but they're a little better. Like Paul Chris gets just a little better every year, and and the guys who used to be a little too hyper, like Fleck and Franklin have toned it down a little bit. They've all kind of hit a groove, which I found interesting. They've, they, they, all, they all are known quantities. There's no more snow jobs, and there's no more, uh, I don't really want to be here. <laughs> you know, everyone's kind of, kind of hit, a, hit a groove there, which is, I, thought, I thought was kind of fun. 
What were your impressions of Jeff Brom and what you think they've got coming? Uh, I, I wasn't. I actually, I think he was one of the first ones to go. I was. I was kind of. We, we were kind of running around a little bit and trying to get some other stuff done. I, I the, to, to me, that game is is always fascinating. The, the opening game, what they have, what Penn State has, but you know, it's it's what it's, Dave. It's one of those matchups of two veteran quarterbacks, a, a great play caller on the Purdue side. A, a play caller that's still trying to find his way at Penn State. How is it going to play out? Because you keep talking about it. You know, in a perfect world, Purdue would throw the ball sixty times. Penn State actually matches up pretty well with that. So, I think I think Brom. Uh, I, I, I actually I think Manny Diaz uh, versus Jeff Brom is going to be real interesting. Yeah, and he really likes Aiden O'Connell. That was pretty apparent. I Jeff Brom is hard on quarterbacks. Tough love has been ever since he was uh, coaching his little brother at Louisville. I mean, I said you're talking 20, 25 years ago. He was just ripping Brian up and down the sideline on the sideline. The ESPN cameras were on him on Thursday night and just all in his face. He is known for being very frank with quarterbacks and he never quite seems satisfied. I mean, he's a really good coordinator, knows exactly what he wants and if you don't give it to him, he's going to tell you. But I, I can't recall him being this openly pleased with a quarterback as he was with Aiden O'Connell last year, who basically came out of nowhere and became a really, really good quarterback. I think his rating was about 160, 162 or something last year. Basically top three in the league. And that's who Penn State's facing. And they're a really good secondary, but they're they're going to have their hands full. Yeah, uh, to me, Jeff Brom is like, you know, in terms of effectiveness effectiveness in developing a quarterback and calling a game, he's like a less snarly Bill O'Brien. You know, he, he – can- <laughs> Not that much less snarly. I, know, but, I mean, Bill – I think Bill is the standard of snarly. Uh, the, the, the pictures bear it out and the comments bear it out, but he can work with just about anything and get that person to a much better place as a quarterback. He certainly was able to do it with Matt McGloin and looking back on it, his one year with Christian Hackenberg, you know, surpassed anything that Christian was able, really able to do in his life afterwards. Yeah. And, and, and Brahm's done it too. I mean, he's had injuries at that position. What, what I said in this thing I did about what, what parts they would play if they were movie actors is this guy has put out, and this is what you do at Purdue. This is if you're any good, which they, they were horrible before, and he's resurrected that thing. This is uh, going to be his sixth year. Is that possible? going to be his sixth year after the Daryl Hazel era. And <laughs> <laughs> remember him? Purdue would, like a, would have liked a do-over on that. That hire. was a toxic waste dump when he, he left. I mean, it was the worst pro, not only the worst football program, but they were running a deficit in the Big Ten as a football program, that's almost impossible to do, uh, not counting the, the, the TV allotment, the, the, the yearly payout. They were running a deficit, and I know because I, I dug up the numbers and ran them. He's been juggling multiple quarterbacks almost every year. Last year was uh, O'Connell and Jack, Jack Plummer at the start of the year. I can't, can't remember. I think that sounds right, yeah. I don't know how you do that because you have to make both guys comfortable but more and more people are doing it Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis did it last year with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy partly because 
And I don't think this is why Brom did it. Brom just had a lot of injuries and guys beat up and not a very good offensive line, and they, they kept, kept getting a hit. Uh, so he had to, to adapt. But a lot of coaches, high-end coaches, are giving their five-star recruits as freshmen, either redshirt freshmen or freshmen, as Harbaugh did with J.J. McCarthy last year, important snaps in the middle of games, and I'm getting a lot of questions, and I'll, I'll answer one in the mailbag for Sunday morning about Drew Allar that way, or or Christian Veyu. Is either one of them going to get snaps in the middle of the game for Clifford? Simply, Allar is the guy I'm thinking of, simply to keep him around because you've got to keep the freshman around these days, or he'll transfer. He'll go, especially if the freshman's a five-star quarterback. You know what I mean, Dave? I mean. My sense of that is that will not happen at Penn State. Do you think it should? Because I think it should. I've kind of changed my mind on this shit. Yeah, I, th- I think it should. And I think if you asked, for example, we have a media day coming up uh, a week from tomorrow, which is uh, August 6th. I bet you if you asked James that question at media day, he would kind of filibuster around it and say, we'll see how camp plays out and you know, th- th- he's still got he's still got to get better. We like all of our quarterbacks. He's going to dance around it. But ultimately, I think your question is, you got to play more than one quarterback for the future when one of them is a six-year guy and the other ones are so young. You got to identify the future at some point this year and, you know, play that future. It should, it should be Drew Aller just based on his talent. But I just am very skeptical of, of James doing that in-game he probably looks at that as wasting a possession or two, and he might not be wrong, but it might be the best long-term decision for the program. Well, there's two reasons to do it. First is the five-star recruit might bolt very easily. If he's, if he's getting no snaps, he's like, I, I, I'm not here to redshirt, man. And that's, that's very, very frankly why J.J. McCarthy got snaps last year. Because Cade McNamara was the best Michigan quarterback in years and years and years. And then early in the season, what was the game they lost? Michigan State, that that shootout with Michigan State. He kept putting McCarthy in there, and he kept crapping the bed, really. I mean, McCarthy did not play particularly well in that game. It disrupted the flow. But by the end of the year, that decision was validated. McCarthy was playing pretty well. He was coming in and he was contributing. But more important, they kept him around. He felt like he was being valued and he wasn't going to transfer. The other reason to do it is look what happened when they put in Taquan Roberson last year. Now you could argue it should you could argue it should have been value in the in the first place, but but Roberson was decided upon as the backup and he wasn't ready in the slightest at Iowa. So that's the other reason you do it in these days. And Dave, there there were games before that game when they blew out Ball State. They had their foot on Indiana's throat. I would say after three quarters, that game was decided. And what happens? Those guys are in for the last series. They're handing the ball off. They're taking knees. And it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's the way to go. I hope he will change his tune on this, but I'm going to have to see it, Dave. I'm really going to have to see it to actually. Just to be clear, I'm not talking about mop up time either. No, that's what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. Important, important snaps in the second quarter and even the fourth, you know, if because that's what they were doing with J.J. McCarthy. They were putting him in in important snaps. He turned the ball over twice 
in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, second half against Michigan State. And sometimes you pay for it because uh, he wasn't comfortable yet. And Drew Allard didn't look particularly comfortable even in the blue-white game. So that might happen. You have to, you have to pay the piper and you've got to do it, I think, for, for those two reasons these days. Dave, just real quick, I just wonder with them coming off two seasons that were not exactly wowzers, um, James might be even a little bit more conservative with his thinking it's because he knows he can't have another. I don't think and I don't think another seven and five seasons going to fly. Why? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. I'm talking about he signed a 10 year contract, dude. I know I'm talking about the relationship with the fan base. I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about I, I think he thinks he can. I, I got to disagree with you there. That I think a 10-year contract become could become much shorter than that in a year or two. So Yeah, but not, not, not next year. So anyway. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, the funny part about Purdue is they don't even try to, to conceal the fact that they don't even want to run the ball. That, that's the other thing that makes the opener really interesting to me. Even Ohio State, if you recall, in Columbus, couldn't run the ball very well on that defensive front. And I don't know how you feel about this year's defensive front, but with Isaac back and Mustafer back, they, they're probably going to be pretty damn good up front, able to stop the run well against Peru. And, you know, until Henderson busted loose in Columbus, they really stoned that running game. I mean, that was the beginning of the end of – the OSU offensive line coach, who was later dismissed by Ryan Day, that was an eye-opener to me that Ohio State wasn't very tough up front, really, on either side of the ball. And that's what got him against Michigan. I think you have to run the ball and be able to stop the run, usually, to win big in this league. I don't think Peru is ever trying to win big in this league. They're not trying to win the West. Uh, they are trying to win the West, but they, they have no illusions that their talent is better than Ohio State's or even Penn State's. They're just trying to be entertaining, very frankly, throw the ball because that's what they do. So they're a, a completely different challenge than what Penn State usually faces. It's, it's almost like Houston in that horrible bowl game in Dallas, the 30-14 to 14 game. Uh, and the, the ticket, was that the ticket City Bowl? I'm trying to forget that. Is that but, Case Keenum? Is that Case Keenum throwing the ball around the yard? And Cliff Kingsbury coaching him. And they didn't make even any attempt to run the ball. They didn't, they, they, not really. I mean, they would, they would throw it in there, a, a running play once in a while. That's what Purdue does to you, though. Yeah. I just think, I, I would say right now, my expectation is Manny Diaz, I think, is a really good defensive coordinator. The head coaching thing, I don't know about that. But I think when he was a defensive coordinator and he just kind of had to worry about that, I think he was pretty good. Uh, I know he had some athletes at Miami. He's got some athletes at Penn State. Against Purdue, I, my expectation is you're going to see Penn State in a 4-2-5 or a 4-1-6 the entire game. They got the, they got the back end to do it. You, and plus, that takes the linebackers off the field. They only have one proven linebacker, and that's Curtis Jacobs. They have 
They have issues at two other linebacker spots. They feel pretty good about their safety group and their corner group. So I, th- I fear Manny Diaz. Why not just why not just put the best guys on the field? In that Case Keenum game, what they did was that Penn State had a, a pretty good front that would pressure quarterbacks, but that was just taken out of it. They get the ball out, get the ball out, get the ball out. I'm sure that's what Purdue will do. But in the old days, in the Joe Tiller basketball on grass days, which was the beginning of your tenure, you made a couple trips out there in the mid-aught. Taylor Stubblefield days. Yes, yes. Joe and 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 Tom Bradley, they just decided, okay, you're going to catch the ball. You're going to catch the ball underneath, and then we're going to hit you. We're going to punish you. Can you really do that anymore? Can With the rules the way they are, I don't know if you can sit back and zone coverage and just blast the ball carrier after he, catch, after he catches it, the receiver. Well, I do. Well, to an extent, though, I think what what the message will be, though, is when those Purdue guys do get schemed open on short or you know, you know, slip screens or like pick plays or rub routes, whatever you want to call it, that are short underneath routes, they're going to try and limit the yak. That that's what you have to do. You can't let a a six yard gain turn into a you know an eleven yard gain, and that's what. That's ultimately what Penn State's going to have to tackle well in the game. I don't know that you're going to see a lot of linebackers out on the field for Penn State in that game. And uh, the one that should be out on the field is Curtis Jacobs. But it's going to be a, a – I'm glad it's a Thursday night game because uh, for personal reasons, that means I can get back for a weekend, one last weekend, to see – because I can see the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. I'm not sure how competitive it's going to be, but there's going to be some points on the board. Yeah, well, considering air travel, maybe you will and maybe you won't. <laughs> It's only eight hours, Dave. It's eight hours. <laughs> oh, you're you're already planning on driving? I am. I'm telling you, I have all these contingencies now. I'm gonna go over them. I am not. I am not getting stranded. Your entire life is built on contingencies for drinking on the weekend. Do you do you think I didn't know why we're doing this podcast at 11 a.m.? Do you think I didn't know 11 a.m. on a Friday? Yeah. Tech, well, another thing is because we're a little, we are a day late. We have to get it produced. So. Yeah, right. You're, this is all based on Coors Light. Dave, I can I can I can get the day I can get the party started at three o'clock. <laughs> the party started at eight o'clock. It's not that big of a deal. I'm a veteran, Dave. I can I can figure it out, but I just had a flashback of the silver bullet infomercial where the British guy goes, Let's get this party started. <laughs> Um, do you have any other uh, any things that any other things of, from Big Ten Media Days? You know, it struck me, and I think neither of us are particularly optimistic about this season, simply because we need to see progress in the offensive line that we just haven't seen, and it always bites them in the ass. And considering what they have back, I mean, I, I, I it would take things do happen, small miracles do happen in that way. I mean, I think we saw one in 2016, but they had equipment in 2016 and a couple and, and a couple of guys in McSorley and Barkley that they don't have now. But I did was reminded of something that struck me during it was 05 Media Day, and I went up there Penn State Media Day, not Big Ten Media Day, and I remembered talking to the three captains. And I was so impressed with all three of them, Pazluzny, Robinson, and Zemitis. And they were all three different. And when I, when I heard Mustafer and, and Brown and Clifford on BTN, 
it, it gave me the same feeling. I mean, these are three really well-spoken guys in different ways. I mean, they, I, I could see them. And that's what I was thinking back in 05 is that these three guys have the entire roster covered in, in about thirds. If you put their personalities on a circle, they would all be about 120 degrees apart. And I think you could say that about these three guys. And when you have that, you, you cover with leadership. No one leader can, can lead all the team. That's just not realistic. But in Jair Brown, you've got, you've got a, what a great kid he is to listen to. I mean, and, and sometimes it's, it's kind of harried and, and crazy and post game and you can't get around everybody. And you're not talking to a kid one on one ever like Jair Brown. But man, what an impressive kid. He, he's, he's, he's a tough kid who came from tough beginnings and, and yet he's this way. Whereas Mustafer is a completely different kind of personality. Got a little more laid back, a little more funny. And then Clifford's kind of the Eagle Scout. They're all completely different and they're, they all look like leaders to me. So that made me more optimistic about this team. The other thing, Dave, that I think ties into what you're saying, if you were, if you want to make a case for Penn State to be the surprise team in the Big Ten this year in terms of maybe instead of six or seven wins, eight or nine, maybe even in, in the discussion for a, a, another win. If you remember that 05 team, the thing that people forget is they had key contributions from two true freshmen, Derek Williams and Justin King on both sides of the ball. I can tell you, talking to Jair Brown and to James Franklin, this true freshman class is going to make a big impact this year. They're going to have guys that are ready physically to shape this season. And you, we know a couple of them. Uh, Nick Singleton, uh, for sure, is one. The, the pass rusher that's, that's on the, is on campus now and practicing, uh, Denai Dennis Sutton, uh, is another one. They said he is physically a freak. He is not a typical... He's already 255 pounds. Jair Brown says all these guys are in the weight room are just, you know, because they're prepared. They are ready to contribute. The other running back, Katron Allen, is ready to go as well. They have uh, Zane Durant, the defensive tackle that James talked about in spring drills, not a fluke. They have, I think they expect at least a half a dozen uh, true freshmen to leave a big stamp on this team. And redshirt freshmen, too. I think uh, – uh- uh, there, there's the Kings and there's um... I said the King brothers for sure uh, jump out, but there's a couple other players. I mean, it, it could even come down to a kid like Christian Vayu who's a redshirt freshman. Um, Landon Tengwa was redshirted last year. He's going to probably, he's going to start at one of the guard spots. So yeah, they got, there's this, there's going to be a little bit of a youth movement and they're going to need it. They're going to need it because it just can't be the the third and fourth year players that are carrying this team. I think we ought to fling the ball around and only use the running game as as a, a changeup. Does that make sense to you? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm, tr- I'm telling you, I have heard some really good things about Nick Singleton, like really good. I can use him out of the backfield. Yeah, but I'm saying like he, he has something in common with Barkley in that he can make a guy miss and then you, you might not catch him. I knew what you were going to say before you said it. Yeah. He's 220 yeah. pounds, and, I, and I'm telling you, and they like the other guy too, Katron Allen. I think that they will do a little bit more with the run game, but when it's second and two or third and one and the defense is 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 kind of at the line of scrimmage trying to not, 
I mean, the defense could have this play stopped and he could, he could unstop the play and get loose. That's how good he is. That's what they had in 16 when they had all sorts of problems with the offensive line. So maybe the, maybe the offensive line will be a little better and that'll take care of it. But what they don't have is McSorley around there to dodge, dodge bullets. They don't have that. We, we know that. So I just would rather that Clifford never face a third and seven again if I'm a Penn State fan because that's when you get into trouble. Then he gets hit in the ribs and then you got problems. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, it's the summer is is pretty much in terms in terms of Penn State football and us. It's pretty much over, buddy. It's it's there's there's going to be a couple opportunities in August to get away, but you know it, it's it's starting to you you carried us this summer with your uh, your podcast guests. I thank you for that. But now it's, I care I carry you every week. Let's be clear. I'll carry your water whatever <laughs> I want to carry your water, my man. <laughs> But uh, no, the summer I, the summer always goes by fast. You know that it just it it always does and feels like it has again. But I think it's an interesting Penn State season, and you know when there's a little bit of uncertainty, it's actually always more fun to cover because you're not quite sure how it's going to go. Yeah, and we're going to see very quickly with the first three road trips what this team is made of. If if the, a lot of times young guys just don't know what they don't know, and it's kind of good they don't think too much on road trips and they just, especially if they're really good, really good, talented young guys, they can surprise you on road trips. So, you know, I mean, right out of the box, Purdue, uh, Auburn and Michigan in the first six games, that's going to test them. We will see. So I guess we'll see you on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday it is. It's a date, Davo. Don't be late. This has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by Penn live. Live.